Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now we're going to um, get into the word of the Lord tonight, and I hope that you will help me. We're going to talk about how to study the Bible or basically helps for studying the word of God. Now we're living in a time when many people are putting the Bible aside. There are folks that uh, there, there seems to be either folks turning to the Bible or turning away from it. It's always been that way from the beginning of time. But here we are in the last days and America is in great need of a, a revival of the word of God. America needs the word of God. Now we're turning to 2 Timothy 3.16. So if you have your Bibles, turn with us and they're going to give us a little uh, help here. All right. How to study the Bible. Can you say that with me? How to study the Bible. Now, we're only going to look at six things. There's several things. Uh, I won't say how many, but only six tonight, so you don't have to get nervous. We're just going to uh, take a quick look at six basic uh, helps on studying the Bible or getting us uh, geared up for getting as much out of the Bible as we can. So <clears throat> we're going to read Second Timothy 3.16 together, shall we? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God... And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All right. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine. Everyone say doctrine. All right. So it is absolutely the most profitable thing you can do is to find and understand doctrine from the word of God. And for reproof. Everyone say reproof. Now, a lot of folks don't want reproof, but it's for reproof. And, uh, and we need to ask God. How many knows that we need God to make us what we ought to be? There used to be a song. What was the old, uh, the old hymn? Make me what I ought to be. Is that an old song or am I just thinking it is? Help me to be more like you. Bid me come up higher. Till thy face I see, make me what I ought to be. Praise God. And so for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, which of course would be talking at the very least about holiness. And we're getting ready to have a whole series on holiness and why we uh, stand out in this world and why we do the things that we do. But we, tonight we're talking about the word of God. So we're going to the beginning of 2 Timothy 3.16. You see the Greek word there, the, the apustas, which nobody cares. But I want you to look at it because you see, if you, uh, you know the word theos means God, and there it is, thea. And then uh, the word, uh, pista, uh, it's here, pustas, which means breath or spirit. And so we have a one-time-only-used word in the, in the entire Bible that the Scripture was given from the very breath of God. That is, it is a breathed out of God. And so it's God's very word. How many know that the Bible is God's very word? Praise God. Now, I'm excited about a couple of things I want to I look at before we jump into the six uh, areas that we're going to try to cover tonight. And, uh, and so it is, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, a lot of people are wondering, and we can go to the next one here if I can get, if we can, uh, <clears throat> okay. Now, this is uh, two years ago, the Center for the Study of Religion and American Culture, which was funded by the Pew Foundation, they 
uh, at the university, Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis, IUPUI. Um, they uh, did a made the, the greatest study of the Bible that has been done in American history. They went and they began to uh, do polls all across America. And this is the report. I'm not going to read the report. The report's huge. But I'm going to show you a couple things from it. I've I've done this before, but I want to look at a few things that are new, that uh, struck me recently. And the report here is called The Bible in American Life. It was done in 2014. And... In it, they were attempting to see, was uh, love for the Bible waning? Were people throwing the King James Bible away and and everybody's usually brand new versions and so on? Uh, In fact, one of the things that stirred me about talking about the Bible tonight in this way was someone sent me a a letter and and they were telling me that they were, uh, that I was a, uh, I'll say this very, very carefully, that I was uh, an odd duck because I believed that the Bible had been true from the very foundation of the world, that it has never changed, that it is perfect, and that uh, in, in the particular article was uh, in, under discussion was the Lord's Prayer. And I had made several statements over the past couple of years that I would love to when because the new versions have have uh, taken out the uh, where it says for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And they said that should never have been in the Bible. And they gave me about six manuscripts. So I, of course, quickly went back and said, but there are six thousand manuscripts. Which ones is it missing from? You're telling me there are six, and oh, these, oh, these six, wow, wow they, they, they ought to be movie stars. And so, well, you've shown me six manuscripts that doesn't have for the, how many manuscripts, oh, it doesn't matter, oh, it does matter. How about 5,900 of them have it in there? But no, 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 that's not good enough for you. Six of them don't, and so away it goes. But I said, as for me, I will believe the word of God. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something else, just for you that, that care. I know not everybody cares about it. I'm, I'm not here to be uh, worry about it. I'm here to simply say that when I'm praying and I say, and I get to the end of the prayer, and so I, I'm, I become convinced that I just have to do everything in my power not to teach on the Lord's Prayer because I literally am consumed with it. But when you get to the end of the Lord's Prayer and you say, but deliver us from evil, uh, for thine is the kingdom. I want to tell you, there is power in that prayer. And I believe it came from the very words of Jesus. I don't believe a single word got in the Bible. So here's what I did. So I brought, I have a copy of a, a, a PhD professor from, the, from London. I got this a few years ago. I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own, re- I'm going to look at my own research. And these are all the, all the t- uh, scriptures that were taken out of the, the new Bibles. 8,000 separate scriptures taken out of the new Bibles. But anyway, so I, I was just looking. I thought, well, you know, this, I haven't done this, so I want to kind of go through. So I marked it. And in order to do this, I'm going to set this down. Uh, okay, so I was over here, and I just was looking. And, and the way I do research is, you know, I was going to read through, and I was certain things I was looking for. And then I noticed, I thought, well, let's go to Revelation. So there I was, and Revelation 1.8. 
This has been cut out of the new Bibles. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. That's cut out. Revelation uh, 1.11 is completely gone. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest right in the book. That's completely gone. Out of the, I thought to myself, oh my goodness. So I wanted to quickly, I didn't, but I wanted to get a hold of the fellow that sent me the thing about the Lord's Prayer and say, what about all the rest of it they've cut out? I guess you're okay with that too. And this was not some Trinitarian. This was somebody that ought to know better. But I want to tell you something. I love the word of God. Every word of it, praise God. When We should not be in the business of trying to tell God what should have been in his word. He knows what he's doing. Praise God. And he's a mighty God. Okay, so uh, so this study, and there you go. I should, I, uh, uh, that's just my little side thing. I'm sorry about that. Uh, so I wanted to show you a couple things because I shared this with them. Because they were saying nobody's reading the King James. I said, no, 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 that's not true. You, you've just not been reading. You, you've been doing too much. You, you've uh, been so worried about cutting things out of the Bible. You've not been getting your facts right. All right, so here we go. I'm going to read from the report. There's a paradox in American Christianity. There we go. And you're, are you looking at it? Have we gone to that? According to the general social survey, that is of this massive study, nearly 8 in 10. See that in yellow? Eight in ten Americans regard the Bible as either the literal word of God or as inspired by God. Because some people, when they say uh, the literal word or the inspired word, they mean a little bit different. So they had to ask it both ways. So nearly 80% of Americans. Now, folks, I want to tell you, I want to ask you something. Would you have thought, I mean, would you have realized that one of the most the one of the most massive polling of American religion in the in in the century would reveal that eighty percent of Americans believe that the Bible is the literal word of God, because we're being told nobody believes anything. That's exactly the. Hey, let me tell you something. The devil is a liar. And there is a great deal of hunger out there to know the word of God. And they believe that it is the word of God. All right. So you say, well, what does that mean? Well, I'm not not trying to explain all it means. I'm trying to tell you that when people tell you nobody's using a King James Bible and nobody loves the Bible, they don't know what they're talking about. The fact of the matter is people are turning. Listen to this. And that's another whole study. And I don't have time to get on that. But people are turning to their Bibles. They want to know what does the Bible have to say. And something else that's happened too is people are wondering about prophecy. You think they're not, but they're wondering about prophecy. They're beginning to say, wait, my grandma said something about, I thought she said one time about this, this guy and so on. All right, keep, let's keep reading. At the same time, other surveys have revealed and recent books have analyzed. I'm reading right from the report, all right? I'm just reading the report. Surprising gaps in Americans' biblical literacy. In other words, they, they believe it's the word of God, but they don't know the word of God. They have gaps in their biblical knowledge. That's what that means. Now, all right, and so we know that's true. Now, I want you to look at this new uh, pie uh, chart, which shows, uh, in this case, four versions alongside 
the King James. Now, you'll notice that, and there's a couple things I'm going to observe about it. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Now, I know you could, you could use this as sleep time, but it'd be far better to think with me for a little bit. Okay, now, first of all, there was a very popular Bible called the NIV. All right, the New International has been popular for years. And I'm going to show you what's happening to the NIV. And many people told me years ago, they told me, now about 10 years ago, maybe not quite that long, they decided they were going to take, uh, God couldn't be called a, a father. So they call him our parent. And I told them right then, goodbye Bible. Goodbye. They said, oh, no, no, yeah, goodbye. Nobody's going to take a Bible that says our parent who's in heaven. All because of the, this new, uh, well, you know exactly why. I'm, it doesn't have to be, uh, I don't have to, get to go too deep into this. But uh, the NIV then has been suffering ever since. Now, the, it wasn't the NIV that did that. It was the NIV company that was going was gonna to get rid of the old NIV. In fact, they, well, I've got whole articles. We're getting rid of it. New one's coming. And uh, it's not going to say... Uh, the, you, you know, we can't all call him the son of God because that's a, why wasn't, why wasn't he a daughter? You see why that that's not fair. He should have been a daughter and so on. So we got to change that. Well, I, I said right then, goodbye. They think, I want to tell you something else. Pride comes before a fall. When people begin to think that no matter what they do, people are going to just follow headlong behind them just because they chase after Hollywood. That doesn't mean they're going to believe every word you say. And, and people may be fooled and they may have a lot of problems. But when you get right down to the nitty gritty, people are worried. They want to know is what they're doing right or wrong. They don't want you chopping half their Bible out and, and tell them, hey, there's what Bible you got left over there. They don't want it. And so uh, you can see that after 150 years of this, of them chopping away in all these new translations, there's, of course, there's gobs of them. There's, there's lots of translations. But notice, now I, want you, I want to draw this to your attention because you might not notice it, that there really are only three, four translations that compete with the King James Bible. And they're listed. It doesn't matter what they are. I'm not going to refer to them at this point. I'm going to go to another one. But they add up, if you take those four translations, the NIV at 19%, which is, which is an all-time low, by the way, because there was a time that people would say, oh, did you hear about that NIV? That's really, I can really understand that. Ooh, I like that. And they were buying that up and gobbling that up. And I've, I've got several. I've had several. I read them all the time. I've, I've, I used to use the NIV uh, until they came out with a couple that I enjoy better. Because when I want to, because I'm a translator, I teach and study Greek and Hebrew. So when I look at someone's translating, I'm trying to see what, were, what in the world were they doing with that? That's the, my purpose in it. Not because I... Uh, need to read other translations, but because I need to see how other people are uh, uh, coming at the Bible, sort of like a commentary. All right, so, but here you see, now think of it. After all this business of we need new trans, we need a new trans, I've got so many trans, I can't even begin to name them. It's unbelievable, the number, of, and I, one day I just got, I said, wait a minute, they want me to get a new translation. I said, I, what? Why do we need another? What in the world do we need with another translation? We've got gazillions of them. How many different ways can you translate a Greek word for goodness sakes? But anyway, that's another thing. Lord, I'm trying to hurry. All right. 
But even after all that, after all these translations, after all these people saying, nobody can, no, but that old English, that old King James is so hard to read. Nobody can read that. That's like reading from, from Shakespeare and that's so and so and so. And I hear this, I, I, this letter I just got all about how the King James is the dumbest thing that was ever written. Well, that may be your opinion, but that is not my opinion. The word of God is not something you should trifle with and you certainly should not be trying to destroy the Bible that records the very words of God in it and has literally changed the world in English because it became the Bible of the English-speaking world. I mean, folks, I'm going to tell you how the idiocy that people can uh, demonstrate because they simply uh, become embittered at the word of God. It just blows me away. And so they're angry because I want to say, they send me a letter, will be angry because I want to say, thine is the kingdom and the power. And you know what it makes me want to do? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. One more time, for thine is the kingdom. That's what it makes me want to do. Makes me want to just say, and have them over for dinner. We're having thine is the kingdom for dinner here. I mean, I just want to, I'm telling you, you, I know you're looking at me strange, but that's what it makes me want to do. It makes me want, in other words, what I'm saying is it makes me want to love the Bible. It makes me want to defend the Bible and stand for the word of God. Praise God. Of course, you know, this is the very beginning from Genesis. Satan said, hath God said? And they've been asking that question ever since then. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, folks threw away the old and went to the new and so on. But that's not what's happening. The NIV now is on decline. It's the second most used Bible. All the rest of them are such tiny that you don't even need to name them because there's such a little bit of few people. There's like somebody over in Idaho reading it and two or three folks in Wyoming. I'm just kidding. I don't know where they're reading it, but there's not very many people reading it. And they spent gazillions of dollars to, to translate it. You know, the NIV had 100 translators. I respect every one of them. I worked for several. I, I literally studied under NIV translators. I knew them. I studied Greek under them. I have no disrespect for them. I have not one problem with them as human beings and in their faith, whatever they believe. They stand before God. It's, they're not going to stand before me. But I want to tell you something, folks. With all 100 years of this, they still have not been able to undo the word of God. In e- I'm just talking about in English. They've not been able to undo it. And so that right now, there's a trend going on. So let's go to the next one. I know you're bored with that. Let's go to the next one. Now, here's the, here's the one we looked at before. We're going to look at something new here. <coughs> now, it's not the way it comes up here. I'm sorry that it, you can't see the colors because they're very vibrant. But because that's white and because that's a very tiny chart, and I didn't redo it. I just, I just took it right out of the report. And that makes it uh, less uh, able to be seen in this large format back here. But what this is down at the bottom, all those squiggly lines, that's all the other translations down there at the bottom. See the one that's... I, I'm going to point to it because I love this. And I know, Lord, I, I'm, not trying to, I, I'm not trying to get giddy about it. You know, they spent a million dollars translating this, and then and look here. Look how many people were reading it right here. Zero. There were not a single human being reading. <laughs> they weren't reading that Bible in the year uh, 2010. Nobody. Zero. 
So anybody reading that in 2010? No, nobody. Okay, that million dollars went down the tube. Okay, and, and so here we go. Now, I'm not going to say what it is because I just said such a horrible thing about it. Um, I, I shouldn't have been so harsh about it. Um, but you can see that what they've done here is they've given us the nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've given us the nine. How many see that King James is up here? Okay, it's the number one. That, that's the line for it. Now, here's the NIV. What's important here is that it keeps dipping down. This was right after they published the, Our Parent in Heaven, and they started saying, oh, oh, we're taking that off the... They, yeah, they took that off the market. I mean, you can still actually buy it, but they quit promoting it, and they said, oh, we're not going to... We're not, we're, we've changed all our plans because, you know, money is what makes the world go round. And so they, they were doing it for money. They were doing it. They didn't spend a million bucks on it for nothing. They did it because they were trying to make money off of it. And, of course, it made them feel like they were really smart. They tell God what ought to be in his Bible and rip it out and say you can't call God a father. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallelujah. My parent in heaven. All right, so um, so they, th- this shows then that you can see the one that's down here. I just won't say anything about it. There it is. They, can't, they just can't seem to get up from zero. Uh, every once in a while, there's uh, uh, more than, than that. But uh, they got up to 1% of, it, of all the people reading Bibles, 1% were reading this. And then they quit. And then they went. And then they got to 2%. And they went back on. Then they went up to 2%. Came down. Went up to 3%. Okay, so that wasn't very much. And this Bible still, uh, the, the, this is done by a denomination that I do not wish to be rude about. I have no desire to be rude about it. I'm simply saying that that denominational Bible, uh, which helps them with their theology and so on, whatever they're doing with it, uh, it has not uh, done very well. Then you keep going. Here's the new RSV, the, the new American Standard, the new King James. Now, it's very interesting that the new King James has not been able to do better than this because you're not going to find it cutting out the scriptures. And so I've often said, if you're not going to read a King James, then at least read a new King James because they're not cutting the scriptures out. But it hasn't been able to do very well. And there's several reasons I, I think I understand it. And then this stands for the message, which is... a. Uh, not even a translation. I don't know why it's even... Well, I know why it's on here because it's uh, considered a translation, but it's actually a paraphrase. It's simply uh, taking words and, and saying whatever you want to say. And then here's the New Living, which is one of... I do like it even though it's kind of radical. I like it because when I'm trying to understand what scholars are saying, he's the most radical. And I can say, well, that's not going to get much more radical than that. <laughs> And then I can say, well, okay, I, I, that's definitely not what I'm going to believe. And then keep going. And then there's the ESV, and I love the ESV because it, listen to me, listen to me, it's, and notice that it's third, and then the NIV, and it's coming down. How many see the NIV coming down, 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 coming down, 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 coming down, coming down, keep coming down. And that's been, it was way up here, and now it's coming down. And then, of course, uh, the last two years, I haven't, I don't know if it's still uh, suffering. I think it is because the others are coming up. But the reason reason I like the ESV, which is quickly uh, moving up in popularity. And guess why? Because, ooh, write your letters, send hundreds of letters. I love them. Because it sticks as close to the King James as it possibly can. 
uses the scholarship, the Greek and Hebrew scholarship. Excellent, well-known scholars. He cuts all these scriptures out. They're all out. They're gone. It's not there. But except for the missing scriptures, you almost think you're reading the King James Bible, except that it's modern. And they've, done, they've literally spent hours and hours and hours trying to figure out how to keep that familiar to the King James as possible because they figured out if we're familiar like the King James, we'll gain popularity. And guess what? That's exactly what's happened right up the line. So here you have this one coming down. But how many notice what's happening over here? What's the King James doing? It's going up. Now, there's two things I want to say since this is on tape. The first one is that this research has shown that. Now, listen, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Okay, I want you to make sure you know what this means. We live in America. All these people. 62% of all Americans now obviously not the Muslims and not this one or that one or atheists but 62% of all Americans have a King James Bible that was so startling that people began to run and jump and, and, and check the records because they couldn't believe that why in the world? One guy told me, well, that's because they're so easy to get. That's the only reason. I said, how do you know that? So you just think people, all they want to have around is what, what's easy to get? Is that what you're trying to say? It's so easy to get because there's no copyright on it. You can get it in so many different ways. That's what, that, was his, that was his view of it. I said, well, why then would you, what would be your explanation as to why 82% of Americans that, that read, what does it say, who regularly read the Bible, listen, folks, that only means that only 18%, listen, listen, no, you're not listening to me. Okay, I'm, you, okay, okay, here we go. I'm going to get you calm down and then we'll start over. Okay, that means that only 18% of anybody in America that regularly reads the Bible reads anything other than a King James Bible. Are you listening to me? If somebody's regularly reading the Bible, they're reading a King James Bible, except for 18%. Of Americans, eighteen percent are reading all these other ones that cost millions and millions of dollars. So, what does that tell me? I don't know that that speaks to me on a number of levels, but it also says to me, you know, like Isaiah forty says, the His Word is is a uh, is a powerful rock that you can never. Uh, it it actually says there that it. It rises up. His word, the devil tries to push it down and his word rises back up. How many of you knew that Hitler burned Bibles? How many of you knew that? He burned Bibles. Well, Hitler is gone, but guess what? The Bible is still there. You know, the devil hates the word of God, but the word of God is still there. Can we just lift our hands and thank God for it? Father, I thank you for helping us to see that uh, while some may think it's discouraging in our this day, it is a, a very difficult hour that we live. And yet many, many people are searching for your the answers in the word of God. Okay, one more thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
Um, one more thing before I can go to the next one. I, I just, it's, it's very important. Okay, they found in this research that people are not now buying, necessarily buying Bibles. So the question was, well, then if they're getting their Bible on the Internet, which means they're reading the Bible on the Internet, or they buy a Bible and they read it on their computer, which I find uh, at 60 years old, I find it um, uh, unproductive for what? Tablet? Sister French reads on her Bible on the tablet because you're young. But, um, okay, so what they found is that, you know, they thought, well, people weren't buying Bibles like they used to, just like they're not buying books like they used to. What are they doing? They're reading them online. And they found that, now listen, I want you to hear it. You You don't have to say anything. I just want you to understand it. There is a massive move online to search the King James Bible and read it online. And when people are buying online Bibles, the rate of the growth of the readership of the King James Bible is so massive that they've written an entire report on it. It's something I'm having to continue to read so I can understand it because I do not read. If I'm going to, for me to be reading on a tablet, and I mean, it's not easy for me to do. It's just not what I have been accustomed to doing. But other people say, oh, let me get my phone. I'm going to read. I go, you read? I can't even read the, the, you know, that's just the way I am. But we are living in a generation when people are turning to the internet and by How many see the name of that report? Bible translation share where? In Google. This is a chart that was prepared to show that in the the Google search network, the number one Bible that's being searched at a massive... Some of the Bibles they can't even find, but the King James Bible is being searched every day in massive numbers. And what it is showing is... Guess what it's showing? People are turning, even though it's on the Internet, they're turning to the Bible on the Internet to search for answers and to try to find out what's going on in their lives. How many are thankful that people know they could turn to the Word of God? That is what is happening in our world. So that not everything is bleak and dark. Some things are showing some very, very powerful things. And so, so you can see that it's there. Now, <clears throat> let's go to the next one. I've got to... Uh, uh, I've got to move along. Everybody say praise the Lord. All right. So now we come. Now Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, if you will ever be able to fulfill Romans 12 and 2, you must study the word of God. Does anybody love your Bibles here today? You love the word of God. I, see, I sense a sweet spirit here. Now, let's go a little bit further. Uh, how to use consistent common sense rules. In other words, what, what are the things? I'm going to look at six of them. Now, to interpret the Bible means to simply determine the meaning of the words. What, what do those words mean? What, are the, what is meant when you, when you say those words? And so we're going to look at six things that will help us. Now, let, let's see where we are. I've kind of taken uh, way too much liberty there. Now, number one, 
All teaching and doctrine must derive directly from the truth of the word of God. Can you say amen? So that's number one. Now that means then that some things are explicit and some things are not. For example, I have friends that tell me that they believe in the Trinity. And I'll say, well, that's interesting. Where, Where is that in the Bible? Oh, it's all through the Bible. Well, where? Oh, well, it's, it's well, you know, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Well, no, no, I mean the Trinity. Uh, well, that is the Trinity. Okay, but it, it, where is it? Where does it say that that's the Trinity? Oh, uh, oh I know it's in there somewhere. Uh, it says somewhere, I believe, that uh, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are the Trinity. Well, I know, but I'm just wondering where. Because uh, I'd love to read that. I love the Bible. I'd love to read that. And... Uh, So some doctrines are understood, what we say, or we would call implicitly. That is, they are deducted by using implication. For example, if there's a father, and there's a son, and there's a Holy Spirit, some people might deduct or have deducted, or many in the church world have deducted, that that means there's three gods. Or maybe we can't say gods, maybe we have to say persons or something like that. But there are three separate divine something, and, and they, that comprises a trinity. And so my first question is, you mean to tell me, and I used to be a Trinitarian, what I'm saying is that the, the most important doctrine in the whole world, in the doctrine of God, and, and calling him a trinity, and that is not even in the Bible? Why would it not be in the Bible? Now, someone told me recently, and we were talk, talking like this. Listen, Talmud, that, that, that doesn't have to be, that, 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 just because the word's not in the Bible. And he was looking for words that I thought ought to be in the Bible, see, like rapture. So he thought the word rapture wasn't in the Bible. I said, but it is in the Bible. Oh, no, it's not. I said, do you know Latin? Well, no. Well, that's why you don't know. Because rapturo is the word from the Greek that means rapture. That's where we got the word rapture. And it's right there. Right, I'm going to show it to you right now. We got my, my uh, 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 Bibles out. I said, let's look here. Look here. This is, uh, this is Jerome's Vulgate right here. See it there? It says, it says rapture. See that? It's right in the Bible. You think that's the Bible? Is that not the Bible? Yeah, that's the Bible. That word's in the Bible. But what he was trying to do was say, well, if, he, if I couldn't find a certain word in the Bible, like, say, uh, some, some word that I thought was important, then, then I would have to give it up. So it, it doesn't matter if the word Trinity is in the Bible. And I said, well, of course it matters. Why in the world would the most important doctrine there has ever been not even be explicitly stated in the Bible? And I'm going to tell you why. And th- that's where we went from there. The reason is because that is not what the Bible means. Jesus was not trying to tell us that I'm another God or I'm another person and I was hidden for 4,000 years. He never said it. He was never hidden. You'd have no reason to hide Jesus. There's no reason in the world. They implied all of that from the fact that he was the son of God. I said, well, how about this? What if he's the son of God because he's the human manifestation of the only God that ever was, the one person of God? And so when they said, well, show us the Father, he says, when you you've seen me you have seen the father so see some things some things come from implication and you can be you have to be very careful about implication and so i will often say okay now we know explicitly the bible says here o israel the lord our god is why doesn't it say three if he's three, why not say three? Well, he's three, but he's not really three. He's kind of like, no, no, no. I said, oh, wait, wait, wait. That's, that's, uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Let's slow down. Why doesn't it say heroes of the Lord God is three? Why did the Jews not know he was three? You're telling me he's three somethings. 
Why didn't the Bible ever say that? All those thousands of years. And then they, then they have to start rethinking. By the way, how many believe that God can reveal things to people in these last days? Let's pray for revelation. Come on. I don't, we don't have to get all done. Father, I thank you for, I feel a hunger in our hearts tonight to know that we must derive every truth from the word of God. And we must live it. We must love it. We must stand for it. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So what the Bible states is true and what the Bible accepts, we must accept. Now, we're living in a culture, and I want to tell you how, why we're in trouble over the gay marriage and homosexuality. I said it 20 years ago. Sister French, I want you to verify. You don't have to wave your hand. don't have to run. I, uh, I know that you don't want to have to run around up here. But I said 20 years ago and way before that, if we continue to interpret Scripture on things like holiness as though pooey out the window, long hair on women, pooey out the window, Whatever the Bible says, we say, eh, that, that, that's just in the Bible. We don't have to worry. Then the next thing will be homosexuality. Because if you can interpret anything that way, you can certainly interpret this that way. If things in the, if you're a Christian and certain things in the Bible you can just toss like a salad, then it is going to eventually affect everything. And that's basically where we are. Listen to, listen to what's happening in the Christian world today. It doesn't matter if it's Jesus or Buddha. See, just doesn't matter what the Bible says. Now you say, well, who's believing that? Well, not a whole lot, but enough people that they think they control our campuses, they control our universities, they think they can keep Christians out, and now they think that they can force immorality on the church. That's exactly where they're going. I I got news for those that think they're going to force immorality on the church. I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready for the gates of pearl. I'm keeping, oh, yes, I am. I'm going to write my own words to that pretty soon. All right, so what the Bible states is true and accepts, we must accept. What the Bible condemns and rejects, we must reject. Now, let's move on. We're going to continue here. Number two, the rule number two. So we were looking specifically at all teaching and doctrine must derive directly from the truth of the word of God. And that's why I said it has to be explicit and implicit. You have to be very careful with implicit. But you cannot say, well, you can't say anything, Brother French. You can't preach about anything on the Internet because there's nothing in the Bible about the Internet. That's not true. I could preach all day long about the Internet. I may get me a sermon. Because there is... Tremendous amounts of scripture that apply to what I do with my eyes and my heart and my soul and what happens and the way I live my life and so on. It doesn't have to say the word cigarette. It doesn't have to say the word uh, television for me to know what I'm to do with this. I'm going to apply the word of God to it. I'm not going to let anything in my life violate the word of God. And this is partly uh, what's happening in our culture. Of course, we become a hedonistic culture. We know that, and that's another subject. Now, number two, the, the priority rule. In most cases, interpret the Bible literally. So that is correct, even though it sounds a bit odd. In most cases, simply interpret the Bible literally. Now, Of course, literally means exactly what it says. If it says it's a door, then that was a door. 
All right. But now we're going to see, for example, in John 10, then Jesus said, I am the door. Is he literally a door? No, 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 no. He's not literally a door. He is symbolically a door. That is, he's the entrance, but he's not. He's actually a human being. He's the flesh and blood son of God. So when he says he's a door, you know you're to understand it in a symbolic way, that you're using these, this type of language. For example, 2 Corinthians 6, 11. I'm going to give you one more, then we're going to move on. And I'm going to read it from the King James. Now, I'm not reading. I could have done this from others, and that would, by the way, that would be a very interesting thing in itself to just read the ESV and the King James on this scripture. But here's, listen to the King James. O ye Corinthians, did I say 2 Corinthians 6? O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. That's the King James Bible. But I tell you right now, that's not literal. Those are Greek expressions that are translated literally. And I get all kinds of, oh, look at there, translated that literally. My mouth is open. Well, yes. Do you know what it means? Do you understand what it means that our mouth is open? Our heart is enlarged. We, we've had our very innermost being as, as, as enlarged itself so it can reach out. How many ever heard the expression they had a big heart? Exactly, exactly, exactly the same expression. But the point I'm making is nobody thinks they mean they're about to die and their heart's about to blow up. Nobody thinks that. You're not supposed to think that. When it's obvious that it's literal, take it literal, and most of the time it is, but sometimes it's figurative. Now, if you're hungering for the word of God and you long to understand it, then you will begin taking responsibility for seriously interpreting not for yourself so that you can be smart and prove to everybody you're right, but for the sake of knowing God. And the purpose of the Bible is to know God. Could we lift our, let's get our Bibles. I want to serve, I don't know how much more time I got. Let's lift our Bibles up and let's tell God I'm committing myself to the Bible. Not just shouting, running aisles, not talking in tongues. I want to do all that, but I'm committing myself to the Bible. Lord, I wouldn't know one thing about shouting and praising if it weren't for your Bible. And I thank you for the word of God. Lord, those that want to demean it, Lord, you deal with them we're going to move on and preach your word hallelujah amen by the way if the bible's not true the preacher has nothing to preach he has nothing to preach whatsoever number three the the presuppositional starting point is this presuppositional means i start with this bias it is a presupposition means this is my bias for example listen to me i have a bias all right no, you're never going to, nothing's going to change it. That doesn't mean I can't be, uh, what's the word? Uh, when I have a bias, I could still be objective. Doesn't mean I can't be objective. If I look at a fossil and I look at that fossil and say, oh my goodness, that fossil proves there's no God. I'm going to look at that fossil and say, that fossil proves there's no God. But I have a bias, okay? I have a bias. It's my presupposition. There is a God. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter how smart you are, you can have 17 degrees, know 100 languages, you can, you can write a 1,000 books, you can be the president of seven la- uh, nations, you can be everything this world wants, be the richest man there ever was, and it's not going to change my belief that there is a God. I believe there's a God. I start with that. I believe there's a God. Hallelujah. And so you say, well, but you, you shouldn't have a bias. Now, listen, listen to me. There's not a human being in this world that doesn't have bias. Start with bias, things you think. 
For example, you have the bias that you're not going to flip off to the moon. You're going to stay on the earth. That's, that is a presupposition you hold. Now, you don't know one day. You might just, the gravity may take loose, but you don't fear that. There's not a human being in this world that does not have presuppositional bias. Now, here's, here it is. Number one. Towards the, now we're talking about the Bible again. God fully intended to be understood when he wrote the Bible. When he gave us the Bible, he meant for us to understand it. He wants us to understand it. And so he has prepared his word in such a way that we can understand it. Number four, there are two requirements. And here we go. We're gonna, I think we can get the, get the six out of the way. Two requirements. We must fully recognize our dependence on the Holy Ghost. Does everybody here know that we're depending on the Holy Ghost to understand the Bible? And some people say, well, I just can't understand the Bible. You're just lazy. You are lazy. Your Bible is collecting dust because you don't care about it. Don't tell me you're not smarter. You're lazy. You would rather watch a soap opera or do something else that you you and the Bible stays closed. Don't tell me it's because you're, uh, well, I just don't understand. Oh, sir, you are not willing to submit yourself to the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is saying, why don't you get up and read your Bible? You're going to take a sleeping pill. Why don't you read your Bible? Well, I don't want to that time. I've got to get up at 7 o'clock. All right. I knew you were going to love that. Number two, we must absolutely, we absolutely must Pray if we're going to have understanding. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. Now, you listen to me. You, you don't have to like it. I'm going to say it. There are Trinitarians right now that are not getting a revelation because they don't care. And you're doing exactly what they're doing. You don't care about the word of God. So you think, well, I got a hold of this, so I got everything I need. And Trinitarians that do it, we say they're going to lose their everlasting soul because they believe a lie and they're damned. But I want to tell you something, folks. The Bible is critical and you need to hunger for it. And if you want an answer, you need to pray for that answer. And it's so true. And I'm I'm calming down. I'm calming down. You need to pray, folks. If you will pray for understanding, you don't have to know Greek and Hebrew and all those things. Fine with me if you know it. But what you need to know is how to pray. Lord, I want to know what you want me to do, Jesus. Praise God. The Bible is more than just a bunch of facts. All right. Now, John, here we go. If you have the Holy Ghost, uh, let's go to the next one. (coughs) Make sure we're here. If you have the Holy Ghost, then you experience its illuminating work in your heart. That's what the Holy Ghost is there for. Now, if you're not loving the word, now you listen to me. I know I'm being a little strong. If you think you have a right to march up and down this altar and you never cracked your Bible in six months, You only get it out when someone's preaching and then you can barely stand to hold it in your lap. 
and you think you got a right to run around and bump into people and tell other people what to do, that is a spirit contrary to the Holy Ghost. If you have the Holy Ghost, you listen to me. You, if you have the Holy Ghost, it is going to draw you to the word of God. And then that spirit, that's, uh, that illuminating spirit, I can think of several scriptures right now. I've been, I got one that it's eaten me up. I've been working on it for at least 10 years, but recently it's just been consuming me. It's like, oh God, I want to. And the Lord said, but you know what? You have not. You, you want to know because you want an answer. You don't want to know because you really want to know. You seek my face and I'm going to show you things. Oh, I want to tell you, it got a hold of me. Oh, hallelujah, every day. Anybody love the word here today? Know what I'm talking about? It leads and guides us. Now, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 2, and I'm going to hurry. Here we go. Now, this is from the New Living, which is in in our list. Wasn't that number? I don't remember. I'm going to say four. King James and then number four. All right. Here we go. I'm reading 1 Corinthians. I liked it. I I want you to hear how, how how Phil Comfort has translated this. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. So we surrender ourselves to the Spirit of God. Now next, we're almost done. Here we go. Psalm 119, the entrance of thy words. Can you say that with me? The entrance of thy words. What do they do? They give light. When you have the Word of God enter into your life, it gives light. It giveth understanding when say understanding. So it's a, two, a two-sided coin. Revelation, we could say the word of God, brings illumination. In other words, the word of God is, teaches us about the spirit. We're almost done, folks. And the spirit then sheds light upon the word of God so that we have this continual growth. The minute you take the Bible out of the loop, your spirituality becomes cuckoo nanny. Someone comes out and says, well, I, I, I was speaking. I thought I was speaking in some kind of a tongue. And, and I, I can tell right when they walk up, did you get that out of the Bible? Did you get that out of the Bible? Where did you get that? Oh, I, I was listening to the radio. No, no, no. No, see, there, that is why you're filled with confusion. Because some real talented somebody on the radio convinced you that you ought to be talking like, uh, uh, you know, and, and all you got to do, one, one guy said, all I got to do is say, ta, 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 ta. And that's Holy Ghost. I said, no, they're not a language. Now, you sit down, sit down. Okay, you haven't had a Bible in so long. Uh, I'm going to give you a Bible. I'm buying you a Bible. You sit right here. Ta, 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 ta. Okay, that is one little syllable. Say it with me. Ta, 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 ta. Okay, see. Now, if you'd have read your Bible, you'd have enough sense to know that one syllable does not make a language. And you think you're going to talk in tongues because you said ta, 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 ta. Well, someone told me all you got to do is just say one little syllable. La, 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 la. 
I said, you see, you're, you're listening to some numbskull whose brain is the size of a peanut. But the God whose brain is so big you can't even get it in the, in the universe, you're not even reading his word. But now this guy, oh, ta-ta-ta-ta. I said, I want to tell you what ta-ta means in about six languages. It's one syllable. And it is not the Holy Ghost. And when you get the Holy Ghost, he said, well, they told me if you just get to praying with I said, you stay out of the altar. You stay out of the, don't you, no, no, out, no. no you, you don't get in the altar until you pray through over this. If you think you're going to walk up to a new convert in this altar and you're going to say to them, just say ta-ta, repeat after me, ta-ta, ta-ta-ta. I'm going to rebuke you openly. That's what I'm going to do. Because you have not been in your Bible and so you are so lazy you would rather turn a radio on than listen to your Bible. You don't want to get into the... you. Oh, it's so hard to understand the Bible. And so you have become a fool. Spiritually, you are a fool. And when God could have changed your life, praise God. Hmm. How do you like those potatoes? No, no, no. Just because you're going around saying ta-ta-ta, that doesn't make you spiritual. Just because somebody told you ta-ta-ta was all you needed. Some languages only have six sounds. I said, that whoever told you there are languages with six sounds is the dumbest human being that has ever been born to a woman. There is no such thing as a language that has six sounds. <laughs> Except in the cartoons you're watching. That's where there are six sounds in a language. All right. If you would put the Bible back in the loop and let the Bible give light, let its words enter into your spirit, the spirit would then be revived in you, but you're out there. you you got to click the radio. Worse than that, something else. You could get your Bible out and you could start reading it. Have you ever just thought about reading the Bible? Just read it. You don't have to under you don't have to be Einstein. Just read it. Get it out and start loving the Bible. Put it in your heart. Hallelujah. And you can become a new person. If you start disrespecting and rejecting the word, then you destroy your ability to allow the Spirit to bring its power into your life. But when you get the Bible and the Spirit in the same loop, suddenly you've got the Spirit coming down and the Word coming out and you become the man and woman of God that God intended for you to be. Let's stand together, shall we? We're going to praise God. Let's ask God to give us revival, a revival of His Word, a revival of His Spirit, revival of truth. Can we lift our hands? Come on. Let's praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, help us to love your word. Help us to love your word. Lord, we're not going to be in ourselves anything, but you are everything. And we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want all the ladies to help me sing. Sister French, 
Uh, they only got this one mic, but help me with the words. It's a tough song. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible. Pray every day and you will grow. Grow, grow. And you will grow. Grow, grow. And you will grow. Grow, grow. Read your Bible. Pray every day and you will grow, grow, grow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you tonight. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Father, we thank you because we're a Bible-believing church. We're not based on personality or what university you went to or how smart you are, or how rich you are. We're a Bible-believing church. That's why we're one God. That's why we're Jesus' name. That's why we're tongue-talkers. And that's why we're holiness, because of the Word of God. I pray that you'll give us a revival of the word. Send a preacher, Lord. Keep sending preachers our way. Thank you for our ministers here that are ministering the word. And Lord, let us see revival because of the preaching of the truth. And we'll give you praise. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for uh, staying. Thank you for uh, the good spirit we feel tonight. You're dismissed. Shake hands. God bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name.